Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Pigeon Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. And welcome to another edition of Television, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and Ryan Abraham. We have an interesting show for you guys today. This was supposed to be the breakdown of USC's matchup against Colorado. That didn't happen. So we'll talk about that, why that didn't happen. But hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving, a safe Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be talking about USC's forced bye week, the Pac-12 South race. What does it mean now that... The- they didn't have the showdown, the Pac-12 showdown against Colorado. We'll talk about that. What's the status for USC's supposed Friday matchup for Washington State? We'll get into that. And as always, you can call us, 5124-TUNNEL. Our intern, Micah, is standing by to screen your calls. You can tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision, and I'll put your tweet up on the screen. And whatever you're watching, I believe we are live on all three, Facebook, Periscope, and YouTube. Put your comments, questions, and concerns. And we will read them and answer them as best as we can. Uh, but guys, like I said, it was a crazy week last week trying to just get a sense of USC's uh, COVID-19 situation. It was ever-evolving. And, you know, just as, as uh, we predicted, <laughs> not, not really, but uh, there's never a dull moment. And on Thanksgiving, USC cancels the matchup against Colorado. So uh, disappointing, obviously, for USC's players didn't get to play that matchup. So we'll get into that. But Ryan, I guess, first off, your overall thoughts from the situation and, and what developed last week. It's tough, man. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite meals of the year. And you're like on Twitter in one hand, the turkey leg in the other, trying to figure out what's going on, making phone calls, sending texts. Yeah, it's such a bummer. And I think USC have been really lucky to have all three of their games that they were safe. Uh, they were, you know, COVID-free. Their opponents were COVID-free. It's really just like, a, I mean, I, I, put, I tweeted a GIF before, like on Thursday and Friday, the Pac-12, that that whatever that character going through a landmine, like trying to dodge things and USC couldn't dodge this one. And we, you know, you hear about the couple positives and a, and a few guys in quarantine and you're hearing about maybe some false positives and all kinds of weird stuff. And then that one extra positive comes through. It looks like it puts USC over the edge. And the PAC 12's announcement was that it was one position group that got hit too hard. And so that sort of just it was sort of like this, but like takes you know the air out of the room. You're like, oh man, they were just so close to maybe you know having this this Pac-12 South matchup with Colorado and maybe getting through a, a COVID scare and being unscathed and having that game come in there. You only get six or seven games to to miss one of them was a real bummer. So yeah, it put a damper on the entire holiday weekend for me. You know, just I watched a lot of football on Saturday, but just it just wasn't the same 
we got this little taste of USC football the first three weeks, and then it was taken away. So it, it was, I was pretty bummed. Yeah. What about you, Shadi? Can we start with how Thanksgiving is one of Ryan's not favorite days, not favorite holidays, but just favorite meals? It is. <laughs> I just had a leftover plate before I came here, so it's great. Of course, the guy who always has the food analogies, it goes directly to the meal. Yep. Uh, because Ryan always deep fries turkey, so of course he, he's always excited about that day. Uh, but you know, the, the thing to take away from it for me is that it felt like it's finally happened. You know, Clay Helton talked about during the week, you know, even uh, I think Thursday morning, he said, you know, we, we've been kind of waiting and seeing and, you know, hoping this doesn't happen, but expecting it to. Um, so to be able to make it this far without anything, they were, they were really excited. And he thought that they were going to make it through on Thursday morning when we talked to him. And then a few hours later, it comes out that they're, uh, that they were shutting things down because there was a potential another positive that they wanted to test for. And then the next announcement we get was that the game was going to be off. So, you know, it, it felt like, it just felt like, you know, USC's done a really good job of, of, uh, of going through all these protocols and stuff. And they've been fortunate to make it through with, just like Ryan said, with their opponents being healthy too. That it's kind of like, it finally hit them. It, you know, it just, it seemed inevitable the way everything has gone, the way, especially in the Pac-12, how many games have been shut down so far and how many teams have had their schedules affected that, you know, it just felt like it, eventually it was going to happen to USC and they've been fortunate not to make, to have any positives before that. But suddenly they get one, they get two, and a, you know a third one that they were looking at on Thursday, and things got shut down. And you know the the position group gets hit pretty hard. And you know we've talked about it. it's been discussed on other side uh, on other um, websites as well. But it was the offensive line group, and that's obviously a, a big concern for USC. That if their offensive line group was not healthy, you know who was who was going to play there. So you got a lot of young guys in the backups, and they just didn't have the numbers to be able to participate in this game. So, you know, USC will hopefully get healthy because if you look at it, you know, it, if it's hard to see this game being played on Friday uh, against Washington State. I mean, that's the biggest thing to look at it when, you know, if you say there's three positives, well, the rest of the guys that were had to be out were because of contact tracing, and that quarantine period is 14 days regardless. So unless something changes with the CDC, or unless you know you, you get some uh, a change of the schedule, then you know playing on Friday just doesn't seem like uh, something that's that's a high probability as of now. And yeah. you know, it's tough, real quick, Keely, because I think you know the people we've talked to at USC. I think they're really confident in the protocols they put in place, the science behind it, what they were really putting into this to make sure something like this wouldn't happen, and it still did. So I mean, I think. USC gave as you know as good as effort as you could ask, uh, and there's just going to be some things this pandemic you can't foresee or, or predict, you know, uh, prevent. And uh, I think this was one of them. Yeah. So to give everybody a, a sense of where things went, basically uh, on Monday, last Monday, a USC offensive lineman became symptomatic, uh, and then you're considered uh, infectious two days before your symptoms appear. So where does that put? Your, your infectiousness on Saturday when you are on a plane, when you're on a bus, when you're playing. So that was the headache that USC had to deal with throughout the week. And then you have another player uh, become test positive. He's asymptomatic. And talking to sources on Wednesday, there was confidence that, you know, they had those, like Ryan said, those protocols in place that maybe they hit, were out of the woods. They had kind of separated people early enough that there wouldn't have that spread. Uh, but it was dicey 
on Wednesday night, there was still like a 24 hours you had to go through. And then Thursday, you have a player develop symptoms. And then uh, they didn't confirm it, but we know that he tested positive for COVID-19. And the, the key here is in a non-health uh, place, uh, a healthcare environment, three positive COVID-19 tests in the state in LA County is considered an outbreak. So in the eyes of LA County, USC had an outbreak on their hands, which is a problem. And so if you're trying to get things situated on the Thursday of Thanksgiving with LA County, it's just a headache and a nightmare waiting to happen. Three outbreaks, uh, three positive cases, an outbreak, and USC ultimately had to cancel the game. So that's where we stand right now with USC. They're, they're, it's not automatic that the game will not be able to be played against Washington State. Obviously, you have to assume that they're going to try to do what they can to move the game back, uh, especially with the, the quarantine measures and everything like that. So that's what we're looking at right now. Uh, obviously, you're hoping that USC doesn't have any more positives. We haven't had an update since Thursday about that, and we won't hear from Clay Hilton. Uh, he'll talk to the Trojans Live, the USC media, on Monday night, but we won't be able to talk to him until Tuesday morning. So we have <laughs> a little bit of time yeah. since we've talked to them, gotten an, another update. But uh, So that's where we stand right now, pretty much. And tonight, well, usually we talk to Clay Hilton on, at 6 p.m. on Sunday night, but there was no game, so there was no... Uh, media availability. Thought maybe they would make him available Monday morning because uh, they, they, we used to talk to him Monday morning. That's not happening. So we, like Keeley said, we won't hear from Clay Helton until Tuesday morning, but on Trojans Live, I'm sure they'll have some sort of uh, update there. So yeah, it's kind of where USC stands uh, right now. We've seen teams in the past that were coming off COVID have a Friday game and they've moved the game off of Friday to push it onto the weekend. We haven't heard that specifically. Uh, it's definitely going to happen, so we don't know. So it seems like things are still up in the air with the whole Washington State situation. Um, they obviously like to be able to, to play that game. Washington State looks like a pretty feisty team right now, better than I thought they'd be. Um, so, but you've you got to cross your fingers and hopeful that uh, there's no more positive cases and they're able to get guys like out of the quarantine or wherever, whatever you have to do to situate enough players that it's not considered an outbreak anymore and you're going to be able to feel the team and play Washington State sometime uh, next weekend. Yeah. Let's also point out that Washington State had to cancel their game last week. They were scheduled to play the Apple Cup against Washington. Washington State had their outbreak the week prior, uh, and because of that, they were not able to play for the second week in a row. So, you know, they're still coming off of their situation. We'll see exactly where they are, are as well uh, as far as their numbers and whatnot to whether or not they can play in this game. So you got two teams that are, that are both coming off uh, of a week where they were not able to play. So there's a lot of things up in the air. Like I said, I think Friday is probably just – it seems like it's impossible at this point, just with, unless there are, there's two possibilities that could change things for USC being able to get above that threshold, that minimum number threshold, which is seven offensive linemen. One is, you know, if, if you're, you're close to the threshold and you're three guys that are positive, uh, they all test negative because you can come back quicker from a positive test than you can from being in quarantine for contact tracing. So they, those guys could test negative the requisite number of times and be able to come back and be uh, in the lineup. Or there's a possibility, and this may be a little slim possibility, but the CDC has talked about changing their guidelines as far as the quarantine period and moving it from 14 days to somewhere between 7 to 10. And if that is the case, does that then get some of the USC players in the right window? And does the LA County then follow those same CDC guidelines? 
That's a much smaller possibility, yeah, but it is true. is something that is a, a possibility out there as well. That th Those are the two possibilities for that game being played on Friday, which is why I think you're going to have to move that game for it to be played this weekend. Yep, yeah. exactly. Wake for USC on, on uh, Periscope says, why can't they postpone the game? So like Shotgun said, we talked about, it could be postponed for a couple of days to from Friday to Saturday or Sunday. There's no room in the schedule to postpone games. Like there's this, you came into this starting on November 7th, and ending on December 18th. There was seven weeks in there. There's no room for anything as far as, far as moving a game out. That last weekend, there's not a scheduled game, but USC right now, we can talk about this whenever Keeley wants to, is in the driver's seat to win the Pac-12 South. So they it. would win, you know, you know, winning the Pac-12 South, that means that weekend you'd play a championship game. But that, the Apple Cup, for example, if Washington and Washington State are both not in uh, the you know the the championship game they don't win the Pac-12 North they could potentially reschedule that game for championship weekend but you can't postpone any games because there's just no room for that uh, but as far as the Pac-12 South goes it's funny John Wilner wrote about this and I was you know looking at the numbers and looking at the the tiebreakers it makes sense to me USC as far as winning the Pac-12 South is probably in a better position not having had to play the game against Colorado certainly than Colorado would be this was Colorado's shot to take out USC to beat USC, maybe down some offensive linemen and, and be able to beat USC, and then they would be in the driver's seat. But the fact that both teams didn't play, Colorado won their non-conference game, but that doesn't count. There's still going to be one conference game behind USC, one divisional game. And if both teams went out, USC would have the tiebreaker because they have a better divisional record than Colorado does. So it's, uh, it's USC still in the driver's seat in the South. They didn't play Colorado, but they still essentially have the tiebreaker over them, even though both teams are undefeated. So, um, you know, USC beats Washington State and UCLA. They're definitely uh, winning the Pac-12 South. And it's going to depend what Colorado does. But getting that non-conference win isn't going to count towards, like, the tiebreaker standings uh, for USC and Colorado. Um, now, as far as USC's health, why? So let's take COVID out of the picture. Shotgun, what does this do for USC, specifically the linebacker situation? I know that's something that we highlighted coming into the Colorado game or what was supposed to be the game. They were Their, their depth is limited in that position group. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Raylan Goforth was still dealing with a foot sprain, a, a plantar fascia sprain that he had late in that game um, against Utah. So he was still questionable for the Colorado game. Pallia Natiote on Thursday remained in concussion protocol. So both of those guys at the time where you, know, you expected them not to play, and then we would see if there was some change uh, or development over the last day or the last 48 hours before the game. But USC is super thin at the linebacker position to begin with. You, know, you have five, five linebackers for four spots that are healthy right now. You, know, you, you have two outside linebackers, Drake Jackson and Hunter Eccles, and then you have three inside linebackers. Uh, you have Kanai Malga and Raymond Scott, who just got moved a, a few weeks ago from the safety spot to the inside linebacker, and Tua Sivi Nomura. Those are the only three guys that were healthy going into the Colorado game. Now, with an extra week off, does that get Raylan Goforth back? Because, you know, he was starting to do some work later in the week last week. That's a good possibility. And, you know, the longer that you're, you're out uh, in concussion protocol, the more likely you are to come back. So, uh, Pelley and Itiote with the extra time off, you, you expect him possibly to be back as well. We'll see. You just, you never know for sure with concussion protocol, but, you know, you have a better chance of him returning from where, where it looked like on Thursday. So, much better there. Uh, the defensive line, you, you probably get Jacob Lichtenstein is now 
uh, should be ready to go and play if they're able to get out on the practice field and practice some this week. I think you'll be able to get him back. Caleb Tremblay looked like he was ready to play. So the defensive line looked like you're gaining some people back there. Um, but the linebackers continue to be an issue until we hear otherwise from Clay Helton about you know the foot of, of Raylan Goforth and, and Pali and Itiote's status. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, I guess, what do you think the, these last couple of days have been for the team? I mean, you have time off. Not really. You're, you're dealing with a COVID situation. What's your, your guess as to what the, these past couple of days have been like? I'm sure it's been a little hectic. I know. Just for us personally, it's sort of like it's a little demoralizing, right? Like we're not playing the games. We're just this, <laughs> what we're doing is covering them. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine the kind of work that these players and coaches put in to this and how much how much sacrifice they made not being with their families on Thanksgiving and all of that and still having this outbreak happen and not being able to play. So it, I don't think it's great for you know the psyche. And part of it's going to be, hey, can you bounce back from something like this? Uh, you know, What have teams done? We've seen teams kind of struggle if they've missed the first couple games of the season and then they come out and play. But I think teams have actually played okay coming off of like a forced bye week uh, from you know COVID. We've seen that a little bit too. Uh, you know, Utah looked a lot feistier than they did against USC in their second week in there. So I think players can kind of get back into uh, the rhythm of things, but it definitely is a disruption. Uh, I think it's definitely something that's not great for players' morale because you're trying to deal with something that, you know, hey, we worked this hard, we did everything right, and still we're unable to play this game. So, um, I mean, the good part is USC is still undefeated, so I think that's something where you know, if you're a, a Utah and you're 0-2 and you're, like, trying to climb out of a hole, that's that's a lot harder. You know, uh, Arizona, uh, they haven't won a game yet. They had three more of their uh, defensive backs uh, opt out of the season today. So things are really, you know, kind of circling the drain in Tucson. But for USC, at least you're still in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 South. But you really wanted to get all those games in. You wanted to try to show the committee, hey, you know, maybe we're not going to be in the top four, but get up in the top ten there somewhere. Now it's just going to be a lot harder, uh, you know, missing that one game. You only had so many to begin with, so I, I don't can't imagine it being real easy on the players right now, Keely. Mm-hmm. No, this was a terrible week for the players because you're sacrificing. You've been, you know, not seeing family, not seeing friends, trying to stay isolated as much as possible. And then the biggest holiday in my family, as far as a family gathering, is is Thanksgiving. And for a lot of kids, it's the same way. You know, you bring all the cousins and everybody in. Christmas, kind of everybody goes their different ways, uh, you know, somewhat. Uh, but Thanksgiving, everyone comes together and you eat and you be merry. And no one could do that this week. You know, Diego asked the question, were the players allowed to go home? No, they weren't. They were in isolation. So that means, you know, not only do they give up Thanksgiving with their family and that opportunity to be home and the family time, especially for the local players, but they also don't get to the reward of being able to play on Saturday from that. So I think it's terrible for the players, um, you know, that they miss out on that opportunity. And, you know, it's, it's 2020 for you it wrapped up in a bow. Uh, but, you know, these guys have been doing all the right things. And suddenly one, one case of it and, you know, now it spreads to a couple of players and you can't play a game. So it's terrible for the players this week. Uh, along with all the things Ryan said about the college football playoff, you know, I think that was unrealistic. Now USC moves forward and they should be in front of Oregon in the college football playoff rankings, which is a positive for USC if it comes down to uh, you know a tiebreaker uh, for home field advantage for the Pac-12 championship. You know, so USC as long as, if they win out, that's still a big question mark. 
depending on how many games they're able to get in, then they would be in the driver's seat there uh, as far as the rankings and whatnot, whether a, a Washington jumps into the rankings this week or whatever, and you know if they were to remain undefeated. So I, I think there's you look at those things and go, okay, those are some positives. But it's been, it's been a terrible week for the players, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Joe on uh, Periscope wanted to know, are the LA schools seeing the same health restrictions at Stanford? So there was some concern last week when uh, the LA County issued the Safer at Home. They put a further ban on outdoor dining for three weeks. The Safer at Home uh, ordinance that went into to play, and, and Kyle Bonagora, you know, Keely was pointing that out this, you know, before we went live. It didn't look like that was going to impact uh, college football or, or college athletics. So that's a good thing. But Santa Clara, Santa Clara County, they issued a three-week, uh, you know, no more contact sports for three weeks. That includes the San Francisco 49ers, and they have two home games scheduled in the next three weeks. So it's really going to be a weird situation. They specifically said college and pro sports. So they don't want – you can't practice in Santa Clara County, and you can't play games in Santa Clara County. So not sure what Stanford's going to be able to do. Uh, they just came off a, a big – you know, a huge win in, over Cal in big game. And, uh, you know, the 49ers too, I'm not sure. So Santa Clara County definitely has it worse than L.A. County right now as far as – impacting on uh, the sports teams. Uh, we had a question on YouTube from Tito who said, with no real realistic way for the Pac-12 to make the playoffs, can the Pac-12 adjust the season, like uh, move the Pac-12 championship a week or two? That's an interesting point here. Yeah. There's been talk about it. I don't, you know, if you want to just keep the season going, the problem is the way things are getting canceled, it's almost like you want the season to end as quickly as possible too. So do you really want to schedule more games uh, when they are just uh, like, you know, seem like an exhibition. So, uh, yeah, I, maybe you could say it, it's allowed if teams want to try to schedule a game afterwards or something, but uh, it seems kind of pointless uh, at this point. But I, I, I don't see why not, but, the, you know, the main reason would just be you probably want to get the season over as quickly as you can and just not have to deal with these cancellations all over again. And, and you're then butting into Christmas and those kind of, you know, the holidays there. You're keeping the kids on campus even longer. Um, are they going to have any break as far as being able to go home? There, there's some questions there uh, that would come up. I think it is a good idea and something the Pac-12 should look at and say, you know, especially if next week you look at the rankings and it's like there's no realistic way anyone's jumping into the top four. Or uh, you know if you know how it's going to play out there. So you say, you know what? There's no real thing holding us back from pushing the championship game. It's not like they have it booked at the Vegas um, Arena. I mean, the Vegas Stadium or the LA Stadium or anything. And hey, they just don't have open dates going forward. It's going to be at a host at hosted at one of the schools. So you know, there's nothing that holds them back from doing that. So I think it's something you should look at if you're the Pac-12. But we know the Pac-12 doesn't always look at things they should have. Mm-hmm. We have another question on YouTube. I'm just going through them right now. Jasper Smith says, with COVID, how is that college games are canceled outright where NFL games have all been played so far through week 12? NFL, I mean, there's, you know, the NFL's moved some around. You've seen a Thursday game that's now pushed till Tuesday with the Baltimore Ravens and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. But the NFL has, I mean, they're running the whole show. They got the 32 teams or whatever, and they can, they have control over everything. It's not conference play and everyone started at different times like it's one well-oiled machine and they're doing their best to get through it so college is just a you know there's a whole bunch of balls in the air every conference is doing things you know th doing things differently when the Pac-12 decided to come back to play they have this deadline which is basically the college football playoff so you had to fit the whole season into that and by the time the Pac-12 started there was only seven weeks left so 
you had to put a season in seven weeks, and that's kind of where you are. There's no way to postpone a game because there's only so many weeks left in the season if you're going to say college football playoff committee rankings are the, the, you know, the end of it. The, the selection committee picks the four teams, and at that point, the regular season is over. They've even scheduled bowl games before that happens. So it's, this is definitely a crazy season, but college football is way different than the NFL. You don't have a ruler like Roger Goodell running everything. It's a tight ship compared to college, which is just you know, willy-nilly all over the place. And, and the biggest thing there is flexibility. Um, you know, you've seen like the SEC, the ACC have moved some games and done different things and give the Pac-12 credit for being flexible enough to, hey, you know, uh, Washington State can't play, Arizona State can't play. Well, we're going to match up Washington and Utah. You know, they've been flexible with those type of things, but with the schedule flexibility that some of the other conferences had built in because they started earlier, they have been able to uh, move some games back or reschedule games and not straight out cancel them like the Pac-12 has had to do um, the last couple of weeks with some of the games. So I think that's a big part of it because you saw the NFL, that was one of the things they did. They took some of those bye weeks. Hey, you know, you were supposed to have a bye week on week eight. Hey, you're playing now and you're playing this team and your bye week will be the next week or whatever it was. They're actually running into the similar situation where there's not much flexibility in the back end of the schedule. And that's why there's so much issue with the Steelers uh, Ravens game and why it was, you know, back and forth so many times the, over this, you know, past four or five days is because there's no bye weeks left for them to rearrange things. So now there was the discussion about, hey, do we do an extra week of the season? Do you expand the playoffs to an extra team? You know, there's a lot of different discussions that went on this week in the NFL because they don't have that schedule flexibility that was built in earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. We have uh, 79 Heisman. Any chance the Pac-12 flips opponents and Colorado plays SC and Washington State plays Arizona, I'm not sure why you'd want to do that, but you couldn't. That would put Arizona would have two North Division games, and so that really wouldn't, uh, you know, they're not, they're not in the same division, so you couldn't have Washington State play an extra South team and, and Arizona play an extra North team. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. There's a lot going on. Kelly's doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are things going on My right phone's now. blowing up. Crazy, but, yeah. yeah, if you're hearing the, yeah, it's happening. Um, Coley wanted to know, how do you feel about USC's ranking right now? I believe they're 17 is the latest. Too high, too low. That doesn't matter. Like, it Ryan really doesn't matter. It, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Like, it, I'm sorry. Coley's, Coley's really happy because Notre Dame's like three or two or whatever Notre Dame is right now, nine or no. Uh, no, I mean, this, rankings don't mean a whole lot except, to, you know, when you're talking about trying to make the playoff. And that, that's not happening. Once you saw the rankings come out in the college football playoff, USC didn't play and they moved up. You know, they, they win a couple games. They don't move at all. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, such, it's so subjective. Like, you're, you're talking about ranking players, you know, teams that have played two or three games and teams that have played nine games. It's just, it's just a mess. Like, I wouldn't worry too much about the rankings. Yeah, USC moved up two spots in both the coaches' poll and the, and the AP poll. They're up to 16 in the coaches' poll, and I believe it's 17 in the AP poll. So, but it means nothing. I mean... If you're, if you're at 16, that tells you that you've got a really long way to get to four in the college football playoff. Yeah. And USC enters this week. I think it was 18 last week in the college football playoff. They'll probably move up a spot or two there with Oregon dropping and a couple other schools. But what is being, you know, even 15th in the college football playoff poll get you when you're three weeks away from, you know, them announcing the, the teams they're going to play? doesn't really do you much. Mm -hmm. 
does the cancellation change how you feel about this USC team at all? I know it's not their fault, but what I'm saying is you don't you have a less of a, a body of work now, I guess, to evaluate this team. And going forward, it, if they don't have as much time to prep for Wazoo because of different things, like how do you evaluate this team given that there is now a hiccup in the schedule? It's tough because I mean it's not USC's fault, but the the teams USC has played haven't won a game yet, and they had an opportunity to play a team that's two and zero uh, and. Didn't get to play that game. You know, the, you look at the teams that were dropped off the schedule. Again, not USC's fault. Uh, they've won a whole lot of games. <laughs> you know, like, it's crazy. Um, so they're, they're just it's another missed opportunity. And I think when you have so much pressure on the head coach, Clay Elton, by the fan base, you needed to show, you know, show something like, hey, we're, you know, we're a good team. We're going to beat good teams. Uh, we're going to, you know, vie for a Pac-12 championship. And missing out, you know, the one game against a team that, you know, was was undefeated at the time, even though they've only played a couple of games, that's just another thing that's just like, it's going to be tougher for the fans, I think, to overcome. Because they're like, Clay Helton got another break. The one, you know, they've been down a couple offensive linemen. They had a chance to play this team that has a good running quarterback and uh, is, is well coached and, and well put together. And USC doesn't have to play them. So, and they still are in a better position than they were when they going into the game to win the Pac-12 South. So I, I think it's tough. Uh, I mean, for the team, it's tough because, you know, the players want to play. But for Clay Helton, it's not about winning. It's really about showing, you know, the fans like, hey, this team is we're going in the right direction. And every opportunity you have to play a decent team that is missed is just, you know, that is a missed opportunity to show everyone, hey, this is a good win. We're, you know, we took a step forward. Now you don't get to take a step forward when you have like a forced bye week. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, when you look at it, it's. It's hard to evaluate anything in this season with how, how the games are being played, how little preparation is going into some of them. I mean, how do you evaluate Cal losing to UCLA on one day of preparation? Do you say, oh, well, we've seen Cal a couple times since then. They haven't looked great, so that was just a product of it. Or do you say, well, that was a fluke? Um, you know, it's, how do you evaluate UCLA as a team you know, when they looked bad initially, but then they've looked good against Cal on one day prep. Now they've looked okay with Chase Griffin as quarterback. When they get DTR back, does that make, it's hard to evaluate in the season with so many different things going on. Um, and I think it's, at the end, fans are going to look back and go, you know, in six months, people will be like, well, USC went, did, won this many games, they lost this many games. They won't look at any of the factors. They won't think about it. You know, Andy Infield said the same thing about basketball. At the very beginning of camp, he said, when we start on, on November, what, whatever day it was uh, this week, November 25th, 26th, nobody's going to realize or no one's going to care that we didn't get to practice at all during the summer. You know, we had to shoot outside and each player had his own ball, so we couldn't do any actual drills together. No one cares. They only want to look at it and say, okay, you played Cal Baptist and you were losing to Cal Baptist. And, you know, is that right or wrong? That's hard to, hard to assess and hard to judge. But in this season, it's hard to identify how exactly you should judge each team with the circumstances that all the teams are going through and the differences that the teams are going through. Mm -hmm. and, and real quick, 79 Heisman and I were kind of going on Periscope a little bit. So he was saying that that's already happened. So the Huskies played Utah and they've also played Arizona. So Washington has played two North teams and, and Utah will end up doing the same. Well, I don't know if Utah, one of Utah's games got canceled, but that was because there was cancellations and there was a North team and South team and they paired them up. He's talking about making it so the conference would have USC and Colorado play each other. So you're talking about canceling real live games to make it a better matchup in the middle of the season. That's why I don't think that would make uh, much sense. For USC, yeah, you'd rather play Colorado than Washington State, but it's 
that really wouldn't make much sense for the conference just to do that. So, so you, you don't want to mess up the schedule anymore. If you have a game schedule, it looks like it's going to happen. You don't want to mess anything up that's you know, actually on. You know, there's a lot of ways to derail these trains. But if trains are like going on the tracks, you don't want to like switch tracks just to do it, you know, because they could get derailed even more. Yeah. yeah that's the birds in the hand argument. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned this yet, Ryan, but I know Wilner had floated out uh, the possibility of USC playing Stanford instead of Washington State. That way you have the inner uh, state type of matchup and then you have Washington State play UW and that kind of configuration. Does that seem more viable in that sense or is that just a Wilner thing? <laughs> I think that's a Wilner thing, but that's thinking out of the box. It's similar to what 79 Heisman was doing where you're trying to rearrange the schedule because like, hey, we would really love to see the Apple Cup. USC and Stanford have played every year. I think that one actually makes more sense than like, well, now you know in the middle of the conference race, the best game would be USC and Colorado right now. Let them play. Um, but that one actually makes more kind of historic sense and you might keep some of those records and stuff going. But I, I haven't heard anything uh, like that, but I think that's a pie-in-the-sky Wilner thing, which sounds cool, but I just don't think they're going to... Like like Shaka said, bird in the hand, like, yeah, don't don't derail the trains that you're, you're going like, to take them off the tracks on purpose because they can go off the tracks all by themselves. And that would be a shorter travel, too, for, for both those games as yeah. well. Uh, but, again, the, there's the preparation that goes into a game. You know, USC... Washington State have been prepping for each other for, you know, they're going to have 10 days of prep now, basically, um, or at least eight for USC. So I don't think they're going to want to get switched on Wednesday this week and go, hey, would you rather play Stanford now? Uh, we've been playing, preparing for this other team. Now you want us to take two days and prep for a team? I think they would rather have the, the extra preparation time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real quick, Marty says, does this season count against a player's eligibility? It does not. So... This is all gravy for the players. So like everyone's status will be the exact same in 2021 as it was in 2020. What do you think that does for a guy like maybe a Tuli Tui Pelotu who is getting some time, some run? I know, Shotgun, you put it in your film study that we did uh, that he was getting a significant time against Utah. What does it do for, for players who this is kind of a, a free year, but you get uh, reps and they don't count? It's really like the end of the season where you get to play four games and it doesn't count. Now you get to play all games and it doesn't count. So it's... You know, I, I think it's interesting for that. The freshmen, they basically get grouped in with the 2021 class, and they're going to be one big freshman class. But for the guys like a Tyler Vaughn's that maybe he's not going to be a super high draft pick, do you want to come back and have a productive, you know, 60 or senior season or whatever? Like, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be some interesting things. And, you know, you might have guys like a Thule. He'll have, you know, he could leave as a, you know, a true sophomore, right? Like after his true sophomore season, which we've never seen that before. But... You would have played three years, you know, he gets a freshman year, he gets another freshman year, and then his true sophomore year, uh, he could leave after that. That'd be three years out of high school. So you might see some players leave as true sophomores, which has never happened before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to have to come up with a new phrase for it because of this. Uh, in college baseball, we, we classify players as draft-eligible sophomores because in the college baseball, the MLB draft, if you're over a certain age, by the time of the draft, then you're eligible to draft. So sometimes older sophomores are eligible after two years instead of having to wait until after three years, which is similar to in the college football. So there might be, we might be calling draft eligible sophomores uh, guys in the future because of the situation. But I think those extra reps are huge. Um, and I think the fact that if you can take guys, you know, I think this really benefits programs like in Oregon State who are developing players and we're seeing that development under Jonathan Smith right now. Um, because you're going to take guys that are three-star guys 
and you're going to turn them into four-star guys by the time they leave. And that extra year of development is only going to help, you know, when, when a lot of those guys are not NFL players, then it's going to make those, you're going to have some teams that are going to be really strong in a couple years because they got a lot of older players that have that extra experience from this year that are, you know, fifth and sixth year guys. Um, so I think you might see in a couple years, you might see some surprise teams that are really good. And it might be because of the situation with the eligibility this year. It'll be really interesting just to see the ripple effects that this will do for college athletics because clearly it's it's a unique situation that we'll see uh, the effects from years to come. We had a question from Phil on YouTube that said, uh, speaking of Thule, so do you think with the way that the D-line has played la uh, recently and last week, does that help USC with, re with recruitment of the top defensive linemen? I think so. I mean, I think that's one of the things is, and this is what hurts USC about losing a game like against Colorado um, and any games that you lose, is that you're showing progression. The defensive line in particular is showing progression, not only with their stars, not only with the Marlon Tui Pelotus and Drake Jackson, who guys have made some improvements in their game, but those young players and guys like Nick Figueroa, who was forgotten about last year, are showing improvement are, and are progressing through the season as well as from last season to now. So I think that that's a big thing for those those players that are looking those top five star guys. They want to you know they want to see they want to compete for championships, but they want to uh, progress. They want to you know to be developed and become NFL players. So that's something you have to show them, and that's something that USC's lacked in uh, an area they've lacked in a couple and a couple of positions in particular the last few years. So I think it's huge for them to show that, particularly on the defensive line with this in this particular. Uh, recruiting class when you have guys like Corey Foreman and JT Tuimoela. Mm -hmm. Hey, Keely, you take it away. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Uh, so part of the reason why I've been distracted is Chris and I have been coordinating behind the scenes to uh, announce that we, per sources, USC is moving their matchup against Washington State from Friday to Sunday. Uh, so that a formal announcement is expected soon, but that's what Chris and I had heard behind the scenes. So moving the game to Sunday is actually very beneficial for USC because that means that the initial group that had to be isolated and those who had to be quarantined will be out of their 14-day uh, period. So moving that is great for USC. They'll be able to get some guys back, hopefully, and hopefully they'll have their COVID situation under control. But good news for USC. That seems like they'll be able to have uh, next week's game actually be played. So... Breaking news on Tunnel Vision. Keely, Keely, Chris, good job. Yeah, where's good our job. where's our lower third Chiron? Come yeah, on, Keely. <laughs> breaking news. Yeah, I'll just whip up a, a this is why you watch Tunnel Vision live, people. You have exactly. breaking news there like you that. Yeah, where's the hold up the sign right now? Just breaking uh, news banner <laughs> just just running across it. Yeah, yeah, that's your job, Shotgun. I think this is a big deal. I thought it was a lot of fun to see. I think it was, uh, was it Oregon, UCLA? They moved on Sunday, and it was a Sunday morning game or something. Uh, that uh, was the Cal-UCLA Cal -UCLA game. Cal-UCLA game, yeah. That was kind of fun, like, on Sunday morning. They did, like, a 9 a.m. game uh, before NFL stuff starts. Um, I thought that was cool. Obviously, anything that you can do to keep the game in the same sort of window, weekend window, and allow the players to come out and be healthy, be clean, and be able to play this game – I think it's a huge benefit. You don't want to miss a game if you don't have to. And now this looks like, you know, USC, Washington State, and the Pac-12 work behind the scenes to move this game from Friday to Sunday. We get to cover a game on Sunday. That's kind of weird. That'll be weird for us. So, But great stuff. And I'm really glad that they're doing whatever they can to make this game happen. You only get so many chances. And I think this is a great opportunity for USC and Washington State. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, and the reason why Sunday works here is because of the initial contact tracing goes back to that Saturday game at Utah. So 14 days from that, 
will be this Saturday. So then Sunday, those guys would be out of quarantine. So then you open up uh, the number of players based on that initial contact tracing with the, the first reported uh, positive uh, player, the symptomatic positive player. So that's why this works and why it, it works for USC. We'll see what the time is. That'll be interesting if, you, if, if there is another 9 o'clock game uh, to try to get it in before the NFL window to get it on national TV. That would, that would not surprise me uh, in this situation. We'll also see because the NFL starts moving some games to Saturdays at this point in their schedule, does that mean there's less games and maybe there's another window somewhere in there for, for one of the national uh, um, uh, broadcast companies to jump in and play it then or if it's a morning game? So uh, we'll have to see when the, time of the timing of the game is. But I think this is huge because you, you feel more confident this game will be played. Now, obviously, they've still got to go through all the testing this week. you got to get cleared for Washington State as well. You know, Everyone's got to go through the same cycle. They've been going through each week. But this allows that possibility to happen after what I talked about earlier uh, in the show of it just didn't seem possible that a Friday game would work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I hope I don't have a tea time schedule for next Sunday. I've got to change it, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, what does that mean for the schedule going forward, though, the game after that? Um, that's obviously a quick turnaround as well. So it's, it's an interesting uh, schedule for USC. We talked about how flexible they would have to be in a COVID season, and this just proves it. You think you're playing, you're not. You think you're playing on a Friday, you're playing on a Sunday, and then how does that impact the week going forward? It's, it's a crazy season for USC this year, and just for everyone involved. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the Sunday is the farthest back the Pac-12 wants to go. Now, you see, you see MAC games are on Tuesdays, and you see Thursday games in other conferences, but the Pac-12 has been pretty set on Friday and Saturday. That's when their, their TV windows are. So they don't want to bump past that and force it to be anything shorter than a six-day week, six, uh, six week for the teams. So if they play on Sunday, then they can play on Saturday just like they would play on Saturday and then play on Friday. So there's that six-day window rather than squeezing anything and uh, compressing anything a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm yeah, to- but the players would rather do that, Keely. They'd, play, you know, they'd rather play the game and have a short week to get ready for UCLA than not play the game at all. So it's not like they have to travel. They're going to Pasadena for the, the UCLA game. So uh, that was a good thing is they had two weeks of you know, road trips and airplanes and you would have three weeks in a row. Uh, be in the Los Angeles area. One of those games gets canceled. This one just postponed a couple of days. Much better scenario than having to cancel it. Yeah. Has anyone asked the question what this means for tunnel vision, though? <laughs> for tunnel vision, yeah. So we probably have to do a Monday night tunnel vision now, I would wow. think. Yeah. We'll see what time the game is. <laughs> well, shocking. We can't, we can't just do a game and then come into this. Hey, I'd like to have my Mondays free, Keely. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll have to figure it out uh, when we're going to do our preview show. Do we move the Wednesday show to a Thursday or something? I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to Stay see. tuned on, on social media for, for those and on the P, if you remember as well, um, to, to get that information. Uh, Steve, who, who always sends us some questions on Twitter for Tunnel Vision, said he doesn't have a question tonight, but he wanted to uh, tell us three that he's thankful for us and the info insight that you bring. We really appreciate it, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, thank you so much, We're Steve. thankful for you guys for, for tuning in, and yeah. you know, we're glad that we were able to you know, unveil some breaking news for you tonight. Mm-hmm. He's a loyal tweeter at us, too. He's mm-hmm. one of the few that actually tweets at us during the show. So thanks, <laughs> Steve. We appreciate it. Um, if you guys want to get your rapid-fire questions in, we've already, we have 15 minutes left in the show, so let's already get to it. I know there's not too many new news just because there wasn't a game to talk about, which is crazy. I'm kind of sad about that. But, uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts now besides the fact that USC is going to play Wazoo on Sunday? Any other thoughts on that situation? Yeah, a little perk of my stuff. Honestly, like it was a weekend that I sort of like, you know, moped around. I, I did play <laughs> golf this weekend, but it was just sort of like, 
you know, this staying at home, you know, it wasn't as social as it normally would be for a Thanksgiving weekend because of everything that's going on and not having the game. Uh, I don't know. It's like, obviously, people have, there's major problems out there for people. It's not like the, you know, it's a huge deal. But, you know, it just sort of was just a little like, oh, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, and this is like, this is definitely good news. This is good news that, uh, you know, if you were thinking that it would be a coin flip or something that, USC Washington State might not happen. Obviously, we don't won't know till kickoff if we're if it's going to happen for sure. But this just seems like it gives it a much better opportunity of happening. So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. That you know, they get through this one. I think I feel like USC will be good to go. You know, you get to play a pretty good Washington State team. You get to play uh, a UCLA team that's looked uh, really good uh, the last couple of games. They're at 500 for the first time under Chip Kelly. So uh, yeah, I mean, this, there's some. I think it's some positive things going on now. Mm -hmm. Sock on YouTube wanted to know why for the Pac-12 do you have to only count uh, scholarship players on your roster counts? Why can't you include walk-ons in your uh, configuration? So th that's to give you know teams the the ability to kind of get out. You know, because if you don't feel comfortable with having if you're if you're the Denver Broncos and you have to bring up you know a kid from the practice squad and that's a walk-on kid that's you know that. Uh, played quarterback in high school, but it's been a wide receiver at your school for a few years. You don't feel comfortable being, you know, at the competitive disadvantage. That's what's been, you know, is in all these um, press releases. Then you can say, hey, we're, we're under the limit. We can't play. But you're still allowed to play under the limit if you so choose. Now, some coaches feel comfortable with certain walk-ons. You know, that's, that's the case all the time. That's why there's preferred walk-ons. Uh, and if you feel comfortable with the guys stepping in, you're like, we want to get this game in, then you're allowed to do that. But if you're really thin, and then especially if you're really thin, and even you're thin with the number of walk-ons you have, say it's the inside linebacker position for USC, and they have say they have two inside linebackers behind, and suddenly you get another injury. Now you're having to move players to different spots. And especially on the offensive line, defensive line, that's where there's the biggest concern because you don't want to have to be like, okay, who can we move over to an offensive line position? You know, you're not going to put a wide receiver at offensive line. So there's only a certain amount of bodies, uh, you know, the, the body types that will fit. So I, I think that's a big thing in it. So it's not that they can't go below that limit, but it's the competitive disadvantage of it and whether or not you want to play with that. Disadvantage. I want to say Amon Rob St. Brown play center. How about that? Do that? <laughs> I'm sure he would do great at it. Uh, let's say he's spicy, so who knows? <laughs> uh, so USC and the Pac-12 just put out an official statement. We have uh, some updates, so I will just read the full statement so everyone is aware. Uh, USC's home football game against Washington State will be moved to Sunday, December 6th at 6 p.m. Uh, PST on FS1 to allow for the return of USC's players who are in isolation due to COVID-19 positive tests or in quarantine as a result of contact tracing. Now, uh, USC uh, football activities remain paused today, Sunday, November 29th, in direct consultation with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health and USC Student Health. USC football has developed a plan to resume team activities on Tuesday, December 1st, pending the results of PCR testing on Monday, November 30th, in preparation for next week's game. USC's home game this past, yeah, yeah, we know that it wasn't played. Uh, since that time, two additional players have tested positive for COVID-19. The first of an individual reported symptoms on Thursday, 26th. He subsequently tested positive for COVID-19 and was isolated. Two other players were identified as high-risk contacts and were placed in quarantine. The second individual tested positive for COVID-19 on Friday, November 27th and was isolated. So there you go. That is the latest. And the, and the Pac-12 uh, network says it's going to be a 6 p.m. game on Sunday. So yes. no tunnel vision. Yes. FS1. Yes. 
I said that at right. the top, but I'm yes. Just saying. Okay, just so people <laughs> Re- know. Reiterating, yeah. yes. Yeah. So 6 p.m. That's fine. A Sunday night uh, Pac-12 football game. Look Sunday night Pac-12. So the newsworthy thing, besides that, is that the what USC did. They confirmed that what we speculated, the player who d- developed symptoms on Thursday, did test positive, and then the person. Uh, that was considered one of the two people who were considered close contact did test positive as well. So now you have um, a total of four players testing positive and seven in quarantine, I believe. So there you go. And, you know, those guys that are in quarantine from later in the week, they will not be eligible to play in this. Joe Trojan had a good question. Uh, he said, any, any inside scoop on who the O-line is in quarantine? They cannot practice, right? We're not going to discuss all the players that are in quarantine or not in quarantine. But all those players that are in quarantine cannot practice. So you're going to see USC is going to be preparing for Washington State. Without those offensive linemen that they that weren't able to play last week, they're going to not be able to practice this week. So that's going to be something uh, to pay attention to on Sunday night when this game happens is how does USC's offensive line look when you know some of the guys have not been able to practice in two weeks now? Yeah. Um. And I just give credit for USC for still trying to figure this out and still trying to play, uh, trying to move it to Sunday. I think that was a, a feat for them to do. So uh, they're still trying to play, even though things are happening and COVID is is still rampant, not only in the, the greater county, but also uh, in their program right now. Not rampant, that's dramatic, but they're still trying to get football going. Yeah. Um, Sunday night football in college, da, FS1. Da, 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 that's interesting. Wrong theme song. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, no tunnel vision next Sunday. No tunnel vision. We're going to be covering the game. That'll be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, that's it's. Uh, you know, I was kind of hoping for Sunday morning, but Sunday night that kind of works. You know, that'll be uh, that'll be different. Mm-hmm. We, we shall see. Indeed, um, Josh on YouTube, I believe, said, "Will USC run into issues with getting scholarship numbers back down to 85 if too many players come back?" I want to say two years before schools get back to down to 85, but don't hold me to it. So this is what we were talking about, the ripple effects of COVID and scholarships and whatnot. Not, what do you see with scholarships going forward uh, with all the, the COVID differences? It's going to be a juggling act. Uh, this is something that um, I discuss with college baseball coaches all the time because it, it's, it's much more difficult to figure out who's going, who's staying um, in, in college baseball. And allocating and obviously they have much less scholarships um, 11.7 to divide amongst a 30 team roster but it's going to happen for college football coaches where you're going to have to have a chart and you're going to have to say okay do we're losing this many people How, who do we gain does some do we need to tell people look we love you but you know you're graduating it's time to move on basically you know you're going to see some kids get pushed out of programs uh, you're going to see you're going to have to figure out how many position, I mean, how many spots you have available for the next year's recruiting class. You know, all those things are going to come in. It's going to be a balancing act for coaches to figure out, all right, how many kids might transfer after this year or, you know, medical retirements, all those type of things will play in. Uh, but that, it'll be a balancing act for sure because there's going to be extra players. There's going to be much more than the 85 limit. And we'll see how the NCAA kind of, um, how they allow this to develop each year. Because as of right now, you're allowed to bring those seniors back and those scholarships don't count in some other sports. So we'll see if that's the case in football and going forward if, if it's a continuation over a couple-year period or if it's one year and then they, they sh- shut it off. There's a lot of different possibilities, but it'll, it'll depend on what the NCAA does a little bit too. Mm-hmm. We had a question on YouTube from Brian. He says, does USC have a shot at an NY6 Bowl following Oregon's loss, perhaps maybe the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, win the Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yes. 
That's rapid fire. Yep. Wait the Pac-12. You're good. There you go. Um, People are asking us if we're going to do tunnel vision at halftime. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, we've done we've done like shows at halftime. Well, I'll do a show at halftime. Sure. Uh, but it won't be like sure. a traditional tunnel vision, though. Yeah. Well, it it, it is. It's like a tunnel, not like <laughs> okay. this. That's yeah. what I said. That's why I did the whole screen thing. Yeah. Well, we have the screen. It's just usually me on it on my couch. So <laughs> it'll probably be that. Us three, Ryan. The doing three of television. us will not be doing tunnel vision, and the shotgun will likely be at the Coliseum along with Keely and Chris. So I will probably be doing tunnel vision. I do the halftime thing. Uh, probably this one by myself. But shotgun and I did it uh, the you last did. road trip. Yeah. You guys did. Maybe you can uh, talk uh, Gerard out of retirement. Into <laughs> yeah, we get Gerard on there or something. Have That'd be tunnel vision. Yeah, or speaking of pulling someone out of retirement, you never know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> any uh, final thoughts, guys? I know it, there's not much really to go off of besides what we've talked about. USC is going to play on Sunday, um, bringing those quarantine guys back, hoping that they will be able to play full speed. Um, it's just about being flexible. I know Clay Helton said on Thursday before everything got canceled, guys are going to get a shot that they might not get normally so it's going to be like helton said this is why you two spot this is why you've been preparing preparing for anything all season long this is kind of it this is where the rubber meets the road you know yeah i mean we've seen some teams where they've had to practice without a position group i think uh that happened for utah a little bit i think it definitely happened to cal when they came uh you know missing the first couple of games and what you know the way they looked against ucla on that sunday morning um yeah there's I, there's going to be some issues trying to practice especially if you're missing your whole offensive line or a lot of the offensive line for for a while but it's one of those things that there's going to be good luck and there's going to be bad luck there's going to be things that are going to work out in your favor and there's going to be things that don't and none of it really matters you just have to go out there and play football is usc a more talented team than washington state yeah are they have to play in weird conditions without guys that practice sure are they going to play on a sunday night which you normally don't do uh-huh None of that's going to matter. You just have to go through and play. And everyone's dealing with weird stuff, USC, everyone else. Um, and just there's no excuses, I don't think, for anybody. You're just like, yeah, weird stuff for COVID. Go out and play and win the game. So I, it'll, I'm really excited that this is going to happen. Uh, but you just kind of put all the distraction behind you. Like, yep, that's unlucky. That's weird. Never done that before. Oh, well, just go forward and play the game. Mm -hmm. And again, no one's going to care at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, there's so many trying circumstances, but nobody's going to be like, well, we'll give Clay Hilton a pass because of all this. Uh, you USC fans are not thinking that out there. I know that. <laughs> we know them, and they that's not what they seem to be. Now, it's worth noting, though, that USC still has to get through multiple hurdles. Like, they're not even cleared to practice right now. So yeah. just, I know we sound like, yay, there's going to be a game, but there's still, it, there's a lot to get to Sunday. And if last week told you anything, it should be, you wait till the whistle is blown and players are running on the field until yeah. you know that that's going to happen because you never know with COVID. Yeah, I mean, if there's a couple more positive cases that come out of nowhere that you didn't expect, yeah, then it changes everything, right? Um, you know, Keeley said at the beginning of the show that there was a lot of optimism. It sort of was like pessimistic and then it became optimistic. It was like a little roller coaster, like, oh, there was optimism like towards the middle of the week. Like, it looks like this game could actually be played. Oh, another positive test. And it kind of goes in the other direction. So yeah. uh, we're, if you're talking, you know, we're like at stock up now. Maybe we were stock neutral before on the Washington State game. <laughs> There's no such we're, thing. We're stock, stock up. We're stock up now. Yeah. But no, it was stock unchanged. Instantly, mm -hmm. we're one tweet away from stock down. So that's, you know, that's exactly that's not where you want to be. But right now, at least we're stock up. Yeah, yep. it's more like, yay, we have a game scheduled, not yay, there's a game on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, how about that? 
Uh, Eric has a question on Facebook. Basically, and I'm going to modify a little bit. He says, uh, will this be Amon Ross St. Brown's last year and then he'll leave to the NFL? And if so, which we're assuming so, what do you take away from his legacy when you have to end on this kind of weird COVID situation? Yeah, I guess there's like a lot of people that are going to be ending on that kind of weird situation across the country. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, it's not just him. He's an but... absolute stud. I yeah. think he's going to go down as a stud. Um, I mean, there, there's no... No one's going to think, like, wow, it would have been great if he got – I mean, no, he was great. Like, he, yeah, I don't no. think there's any question he was great. It's going to be similar to college basketball, one-and-done type situations. Like, what do you look at as their legacy as what they left to the school? I mean, it, it'll depend a lot on what they do at the next level. Like, DeMar DeRozan has a legacy at USC because he gives back to USC, gave him the weight room. Uh, he's been a star at, in the NF, NBA. Um, but – you know, that he, his one season at USC, did he leave a legacy? Not necessarily. So I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown did everything he could in the time he's been at USC uh, as far as him personally, and he's just going to continue to build on that going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coley has a question on YouTube. Who's the stronger opponent, Washington State or UCLA right now? I think UCLA, we haven't seen Washington State the last couple of weeks. We've seen UCLA uh, very, I mean, that defensive front, that front seven, is getting after people. They are not afraid to be aggressive. They are not afraid to take chances. They'll leave corners on islands, and they've really disrupted opposing offenses. I mean, I, what they were doing to Oregon, I mean, I was really impressed with that, even though they lost that game. Uh, and and Demetric Felton, I, that, I think that's his first name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been an absolute stud. Like, uh, you know, I know he got dinged up a little bit in the game. I don't know if, if what the injury was, if it was a hamstring or something, but. Um, he looked, um, you know, he looks amazing. He just runs the ball with reckless abandon, running over people. Uh, it looks like a different team than we've seen from UCLA in the past couple of years. It looks like they have this cohesive offense going, and that was with, you know, a backup quarterback. And I don't know if they're going to, you know, their DTR is still going to be the quarterback, I assume. But, you know, the way they play with a backup has been great. They've run the football really effectively. They're playing great defense. So, yeah, they look like a tough out. Uh, I don't think that's going to be an easy game, especially I thought it would be going in. Uh, they look a lot better. Even the guys that cover UCLA are like, I'm really surprised how good this team looks. They've looked really good. Interesting. Uh, Torian on YouTube says, does USC benefit from Oregon losing this past weekend? No. Not necessarily, but you know, anytime a team that you're battling a lot of times on the recruiting trail uh, loses, you can kind of point that out to recruits. Why would you want to go there? Come here to us. That type of thing. But it's not like it's a, it's a, you know, a big feather in USC's cap that Oregon lost. Uh, I think USC benefits by the fact that they will have a home field advantage if Oregon is the team that comes out of the North. That's the biggest advantage there, for sure. Mm-hmm. Did we already do like final thoughts and stuff? Or? Uh, sort of. There, it was a disjointed <laughs> episode. I will give you that. I was. There's a lot happening, so I apologize She's for that. She's been running, you know, breaking news behind the scenes. We, that's okay. You got to produce and host the shows too. It's, but yeah. yeah, it was a little bit of a lot. And uh, Chris Trevino just texted stock neutral in all caps. So shock, and I think you're outnumbered here. No. That's all I gotta have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all go to Wall Street and bring up stock neutral. I'm not. Uh, Keith had a Periscope one. Now, this is like kind of off topic, but he's, okay. he wants a deep fried turkey for Christmas and he advised tips on what to do. Didn't you? Check out my Instagram feed. I put it up there okay. for most of Rhino. But yeah, no, I mean, inject the turkey. It, make sure it's, you know, not frozen. You don't want a frozen turkey. Inject it. I use <laughs> like trouble. white wine and butter and some garlic salt. Inject it in there. All good. And you get the fryer. Peanut oil is great. Today, this last time, I did it perfectly. You don't want a bird bigger than 15 pounds in those those fryers. You get that size. Get it up to about 400 degrees, 
You slowly drop the turkey, and it's bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. It takes like a minute to drop the whole thing in. And the temperature should go down to about 350, and that's where you want to keep it. So crank it up at that point and really try to keep the temperature around 350, about three and a half minutes per pound, about 40, 45 minutes or so for a 15-pound turkey. It comes out amazing. So. <laughs> But yeah, you see those fire videos. Go. Don't drop a frozen turkey directly into boiling hot oil. It goes all over the place and catches fire. You Don't just, drop it either. Yeah. Gently lower it down. But lower, you can follow all down. these things on Instagram where Ryan did it. So I don't know why he needed to explain it all after he just said you can watch what I already explained. And, and he explained it on the end of the Parasite podcast last <laughs> week. So he well, people just, ask about it. He just likes flexing about his they turkey ask. skills. Yeah. Okay, I have pretty good turkey skills. <laughs> oh, Lolo had a question for you on YouTube, Ryan. He says, does USC still have an opportunity to make the Pac-12 title in your opinion? Yeah, they're the, yes. I mean, they're the favorites to win. Like they're they're their driver's seat to win the South. Uh, you know, Utah hasn't won a game. Arizona's terrible. Arizona State's only played one game. UCLA's got two losses. The other team that's undefeated, USC has a tiebreaker with, and they don't play. So yeah, the USC's in the driver's seat to win the South, and then you got to beat the team for the North. Oregon looks very beatable. Washington. They were struggling with Utah, a team that USC handled pretty well. Then Washington came back and won the game. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, but yeah, they're, I mean, USC, I think, would be the favorite to win the Pac-12 right now, for sure. It's definitely the Pac-12 South and, uh, you know, likely for the Pac-12, too. This is an interesting question from Adam on YouTube. He said, even with the extra year of eligibility, most schools are still doing a senior ceremony. So will USC honor guys like Tyler Vons and Stephen Carr before the Washington State game? I would assume so. Um, or... They will have talked with certain players and said, hey, what's your plans right now? And they may go ahead and do something um, because that's similar to what you see in, you know, other sports when you expect a player to be leaving, um, you know, then they will do something early like that. And because it's the last home game, then I think that's something that will be discussed. Uh, but it's still, you've seen it, I've seen it a couple places. It's still really weird because it's not like the parents are going to be able to come out on the field with them. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you're going to be um, broadcasting this anywhere unless USC themselves does it live. So, you know, what's the use in it is kind of a question. Um, you know, there's no fans in the stands to be cheering these players on. So they may do something, but if they do, at best, it'll be broadcast on YouTube um, or on USC's um, social medias. Mm-hmm. In a similar vein, Mark on YouTube says, with such, short, with such a short season, how does it that affect guys like Kufunga, IPM, and Elijah Griffin who have NFL decisions to make? Will they have enough tape? Could this push them to return? It, it depends on the player and what they've done. I think, you know, those three guys that you mentioned have played pretty well. Uh, you know, do they feel like they need to make, put more on tape? I think they'll go through that process and you'll see the draft grade, the draft, uh, draft advisory board will give them uh, advice on where they will be drafted. It's going to be a really funky draft just because there's going to be so many players that haven't been, haven't got that extra tape. So how does that affect things? There's, there's going to be unique, and I think the combine is going to really be important for a lot of players. So I think it's, it's going to be a tough decision to make, and it's going to come down to some things like that. Uh, a guy like AVT, obviously, coming back, he's shown in three games of tape that he's elite. And, you know, he's moved himself up draft boards. Other guys, have they done enough to move themselves to where they would forego the rest of their eligibility? And the one thing we have to keep in mind is, when is this all going to be over? Is next True. season going to be normal? Is it probably not going to be super normal? And no. if you're like, do I really want to go through this again or I want to do this in the NFL? So yeah. that could have an impact on people's decisions too. That's a great point. Uh, Torion says, does COVID keep more recruits closer to home? 
I think so. I think just because there's less official visits makes it less likely that you may want to go uh, somewhere else across the country. Now, the elite, elite guys, the top-tier guys, are still taking some of those unofficial visits or have already visited places previously, so they've got an idea. Uh, but a lot of your... You know, your high four-star guys or and down to three-star guys, like those guys are probably staying closer to home than they normally would just in, uh, you know, as far as mileage from, you know, their hometown. I think in general, you're going to get guys stay closer to home. Yeah, you're going to have at least a calendar year, like a straight year, 365 days of no visit, to, you know, no visit. So Crazy. that's really tough. So, I, yeah, I think it, the home field advantage is going to be bigger in recruiting. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, guys, we reached the top of the hour. Any final thoughts before we wrap this episode up? We'll be back. Again. We have a game to preview now, which is exciting. At least for now, we do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, you know, props to Keely and to Chris Trevino. Chris you guys Trevino. have been doing a great job through all this. All you guys, Shotgun, Gerard. Uh, I love my team, so I'm very thankful uh, Thanksgiving for the team that, I, that we have here at USCFootball.com. And hope you guys can all check out the website, subscribe, support us, support it, you know, so we can do stuff like this. Um, we love doing these kind of things, and the more people that subscribe, the more kind of stuff we can do. So appreciate you supporting us, and we're doing our best to uh, bring you all the latest and greatest of, of surrounding USC football. So thank you, for, thankful for my team, and thankful for all you guys out there for listening and watching and, and reading. Look at that, making it a Thanksgiving theme final thought. Yeah. Shadi, can you top that? <laughs> no, but I've got some rapid fire that need to be answered here. Sure, go for this, it. This is the third time we're If Ohio State misses the Big Ten championship game and thus the playoffs, what's the chances USC gets paired with them in a – it's supposed to be a bowl game, but it said blow game, so it might have been a blowout game, which is what it might end up being. Yes. Uh, so that would be an interesting matchup. There was another question about Ohio State that said, knowing that they're arch rivals and uh, mortal enemies, would Michigan purposely not be able to play the game so that Ohio State wouldn't get in? And that would be an ultimate rivalry, uh, you know, way to stick it to your opponent. So that would be really interesting if that did happen somehow. Why did USC pass on Oregon State running back Jamar Jefferson? USC took marquee step in that same class. Um, Jefferson was a lower-ranked guy, not as highly touted coming out of high school. He's done a really good job of progressing each year, um, so give him a lot of credit. But USC has maybe gave, went a, a late run on that. Maybe Gerard can do a, a follow-up piece on this. Uh, but that's one that was a local kid that kind of got away for USC, and he's doing really good things. Similarly, a local kid, word on the street is the Michigan running back Zach Charbonnet wants to come home. Do you guys think Clay can or will make that happen. I'll believe it when I see it as far as him wanting to leave because you never know with head coaching decisions and the p potential in Michigan of Jim Harbaugh leading whether he would stay or go there. A couple of quick ones on the practice this week. Can non-O-line pract players practice in the field? If they are cleared on Tuesday, if everyone goes through the testing, then yes, anyone that's not in quarantine will be able to practice on Tuesday. And will USC have to practice without an offensive line all week? It's a possibility. You might just, you know, we won't see it, but USC might just say, hey, we're going to practice our seven-on-seven seven stuff all throughout practice. And then in the, the looks that the defensive line gets will just be walk-ons trying to walk through some stuff. Uh, so that's a couple of rapid fires there. Thank you guys so much for joining us each week and for, for being interactive and, and being a part of this show. Thanks to the team around us. Uh, we have a, a little small family here at the uscfootball.com, and you guys are a part of that as well. 
Uh, so thank you so much for, for joining us each week and, and being uh, active participants. Mm -hmm. I was in the Matrix for a bit, but then I came back. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts, too, from me. Just want to wrap it up. Uh, I know we talked about it like it's happening. I just have to say it again. It's still not for sure that USC will actually play. USC has to clear hurdles, and Washington State has to clear hurdles. So it's still uh, on the brink. But at least credit to USC. They've been very transparent in, in telling us about uh, their COVID updates. So we'll at least know on the USC side of things, and hopefully we'll stay attuned to what's happening over at Washington State. So we'll see. Unlike some schools, <coughs> Arizona State. Uh, yeah, a lot of schools. So, so credit to USC on that front. Uh, at least we know what's happening there and we're at least uh, up to date. So uh, that's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. See ya. Hip Hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.